It's week number six. We're right in the middle of our Mark series. God has been talking. God has been talking to you. He's been talking to me, showing you principles right out of Mark. I love Mark. I'm falling in love with Mark more and more as we go through it. It's an exciting gospel. It's impactful, and it's got so much stuff that just kind of hits you one after another. So we're going to get right into it today. We're not taking too much time. If I take too much time today, I may blow off into the water. And also right over here, I got a great church gathering. I've got about 20 uh, geese. So if you hear a quack, that's, a, that's an amen. So, hey, you brothers, give me an amen every once in a while. I'll feel better about it. And um, that would be awesome. So if you got a Bible, go with me. Mark chapter 6. We're in Mark, right? We're going in Mark. We've been in Mark. So we're going in Mark chapter 6. We're going to skip through 5. And we're going to get to 6 here. And we're going to go from where we were last week. We're going to kind of get a little deeper into it. This week, with Mark chapter 6, sorry, the wind is not helping me today. I need Jesus to get back on that boat like he did last week and say, peace, be still. Brother's got to read a scripture. Here we go. Got it. Be still. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says, And he went from thence and came to his own country. Notice, he came to his own country. Where was his own country? His own country was Nazareth, the place where he was from. He went to his own country and his fellow's disciples with him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, from whence has this man, uh, from whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? And here's the verse, I love this verse. Number three, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? the brother of James and Joseph of Judah and Simon are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. They were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could there do no mighty works, could not work. Why? say that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the villages teaching. Now this is an astonishing uh, passage of scripture. Right here in the Gospel of Mark, we have just seen some parables that Jesus had taught in the previous chapters. We just had this amazing uh, sort of story we talked about last week where Jesus is on this boat asleep in the storm, wakes up, calms the storm and we have this dialogue of teaching and he returns into Nazareth and shows up at his own stomping grounds, goes to the synagogue and uh, begins to teach uh, in the synagogue and uh, share things and they're astonished. But their astonishment is not necessarily what he says, their astonishment is in the fact who's talking. Because verse 3 tells us why they were astonished. Verse 3 said, they were astonished because is this not the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't these are his brothers? Isn't this his sisters? Now, I know for you and I today, we look back on this situation with sort of hindsight, which is a very powerful tool, because our attitude is, well, how did they miss it? How did they not know that this was Jesus? 
But I wonder if you and I were in the same situation today, we would have probably had the same similar reaction. I get it. You know, we sit here today and we go, well, I would have, I would have definitely seen it was Jesus for sure. I'm not so sure. I'm not certain that that would have been our reaction. I'm not even certain that would have been my reaction, to be honest with you. I can sit here today and speculate and say, well, of course, that would have been, I would have definitely seen it. I don't know. Because I got to be frank with you, here's a test. Some of you turned on your screen this morning, see me standing here outside with this backdrop, and you go, ah, I don't know if that's God. Ah, I got you. See, I got you. See, standing out here today, our first reaction is, well, Brother Joel's crazy again. Well, there goes Pastor Joel. He's just being nutty again. Oh, I mean, come on. You can't be doing this on a Sunday morning. You can't have that. You got, this is not God. That, that can't be God. God works like this. God operate, operates here. And it's Sunday morning, man. God's got to operate like this because he's been operating like this for the last 30 years of my life and it's Sunday morning and you're not standing behind a pulpit and you're not standing there where I need you to stand so therefore I don't know if it's God you see so what makes you think if that is your reaction and I'm not beating you up if that's reaction I'm not I'm, not, I'm challenging you don't don't take this as a rebuke but if that was your reaction this morning or just a hesitation what makes you think that if you were in that synagogue that day in Nazareth, you would have gotten some kind of great revelation or epiphany. Hey guys, this is Jesus. He's amazing. You would have probably been just like I would have been, hey, really, you're telling me, because don't forget, let's look at the backdrop of how we got to where we got in this passage, that God had been dealing with Israel the same way for a thousand, over a thousand years. God had been working all the way back to leading them out of Egypt with the establishing of the tabernacle, eventually turning it into the temple. And they had gotten used to, this is how God operates. They had read in Scripture. Now, they knew in Scripture. We can go to Psalms today if I had time. We could go to Psalms. They knew in Scripture that Messiah would come. And Isaiah even prophesied what his name would be. Isaiah prophesied what he would do. And Jesus, at 12 years old, spoke about things that no 12-year-old should have spoken about. He was a 12-year-old prodigy. But then we have that 18 years of silence. He goes to the carpenter shop and just becomes sort of the ordinary guy. In fact, in some ways, he wasn't even that ordinary. He was forgettable. He might have made some tables and chairs, but in the end, he was sort of forgettable. And so that's the framework of that. So you have God has operated the same way for decades, for generations. And these things and the way God had operated were written in this book. To them, it was sacred. God would never change the way he operated. We go to the temple. Three, we go to the temple every day and three times a year at certain feasts. We go there. We offer sacrifices. We offer offerings. And he's been doing that all the way back to our fathers in the wilderness. And he's still doing it that way today. So there's no way this guy can be who he says he is, because if this guy who he says he is, then explain to me how we got here. And plus, I know it's not him because his mother's Mary, his dad was Joseph, even though I'm not sure who his daddy was. We still debate that sometimes because, you know, 
You remember back in the day that story she told somehow, you know, like some angel showed up at my door. Yeah, we know what kind of angel that was. You can call Joseph an angel, but we know how he was rolling. And then he's got sisters and a brother. There's no way this Jesus character is God. Now, he's, a, he's got amazing wisdom. He's got amazing words, but we really can't believe he can do what he says he can do because he's Jesus. You see, sometimes, and there's two parts to this message today. I'm giving you the first part now. We're going to get to another part in a minute. But we can get so caught up in thinking God has operated one way for so long, there's no way he would ever change it. And then when he decides to change it, we don't see it. And we, we, we sit here, and I've often sat there. How did they not see Jesus as the Messiah? How did, they, how did, how did the, the Jews miss this? He's doing miracles. He's doing signs. He's doing wonders. But yet in the end, they didn't see it. I would, I, 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 I would never miss it. Really? Really? COVID throws a monkey wrench into our little lives, and all of a sudden, the whole world goes crazy. What if God's trying to tell us, hey, wait a minute. I'm not changing what I've done, but I'm fulfilling it in a different way. Notice, there's a difference between method and principle. I don't know why I'm saying this this morning. This is not in the notes. I don't have notes. If I had notes, they'd have probably blown away. There's a difference between method and principle. We're not talking about changing principle, but Jesus Christ is always about changing the method. To the woman at the well, he spoke differently than he did to Nicodemus. He spoke differently to the woman who was breaking the alabaster box at his feet than he did to the Pharisees. He did things differently to the tax collector than he did to the Syrophoenician woman when he looked at her and says, Lady, get out of here. Get out of here. I, I don't have time for you. Now, but if you... You look at all those and you go, man, look, remember the one time Jesus went to the blind man and his response to the blind man? Now, the, the entire time, most of the miracles Jesus did, he spoke the word, right? Take up your bed, rise up, take your bed and walk. He healed many. But this guy in particular, one day, he shows up and Jesus' method of healing him was hocking a loogie, spitting on the ground, making a mud pie and putting it on the dude's eyes. Wait a minute, you can't do that. That's not the way you've done it before. No, the principle was the principle of the miraculous. The principle was the healing. The method changed to meet the moment. My goodness, praise God. Somebody hear what I'm saying this morning. The Holy Ghost is trying to talk to Antioch West. We're going to get to some stuff about your life in a minute. But Antioch West, hear what the word of the Lord is saying to us this morning. Listen what the Holy Ghost is trying to say. Don't think because the methods change, the principle is no longer good. The method must match the moment. Look across this water. Look at that city. We can't stay where we are and still reach the people living in those apartment buildings by the tens of thousands. There are people right over there, right on the other side in a park. They're probably looking over here going, what is that crazy guy doing? You know what? We've got to change the method to match the moment. We're living in 2021. Our world is falling apart. People are crying out. They're hurting. 
The principle is Jesus came, he lived, he died and resurrected. The principle is except a man born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The principle is be born of the water in the baptism of Jesus' name. Be filled with the spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's the principle. But the method, the method has got to match the moment. Oh, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. The method's got to match the moment. Look around for a moment. Take a look around you. This is why I'm outside today. This is why I believe the Lord has put me outside today. Because I'm not in my backdrop in my home with my shoes off. I'm out here and I've got my burn the ships because you know what we're doing? We're burning the ships because we're going forward. And I'm looking across at people over there. And I'm looking at those high rises. And I'm looking at a city. Whether we reach Baltimore or we reach your neighborhood. The method has got to match the moment. Don't think that we're changing the principle. But we're rising to the occasion of the moment. Antioch West God has called us to this time, to this place, and to this purpose. Because his method matches the moment if you don't believe it go read this book there was a time where the method let us do some things we've done for years and years and years nothing wrong with it it worked and that's what god brought us to be but the moment has changed and if the method stays the same then we miss it because the moment has changed but god said i'm always going to match the method with the moment one day I'm going to speak out of a bush. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. One day I'm going to speak out of a bush. The next day I'm going to speak out of a mountain. The next day I'm speaking in a cave. The next day I'm speaking with thunder and lightning. And the next day I'm speaking with a still small voice. The principle of God speaking is the same. But the method, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. The method matched the moment. Sometimes I need God to boom with the voice of thunder. But other times, it's just the small stillness of his voice. That's all I need. Same principle. But the method matches the moment of my life. Come on, you know what it's like sometimes where you were in some times and situations and God literally thundered in your life. But there were some times he just gently stuck up next to you and said, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Did you go, wait a minute, that can't be God. Because yesterday he spoke with thunder. Today he speaks with stillness. I don't think that's God. You knew it was God. But the method matched the moment in your life. Ooh, we, 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 we're right out of mark. We got to get back in the market in a minute. But the Holy Ghost is trying to tell somebody, don't knock the method because it matches the moment. Look under the method and see where the principle is. And if the principle is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, then it doesn't matter what the method is. The principle is what matters. We must stay adhere to the principle. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The plan of salvation is still the plan of salvation. Born of water or spirit. John chapter 3, John chapter 7, Acts chapter 2. It's still the same. But the method is matching the moment the method is changing because god sees a world that's changing and god knows what it's going to take to reach there must be 50 people across there on that water out there on that park god knows what it's going to take to reach every one of those people and i got to be honest with you it's not going to come 
through convenience. It's not going to come through ease. It's not going to come from me sitting back and going, well, you know what? If they want to find us, we're here. We'll just keep chucking on with Jesus. No, he said, go into the world. Get out and go. I did not come on here this morning to make a prophetic word or to speak to Antioch West. I thought I was coming on here to do Mark, but God's trying to reiterate to Antioch West, some of you that are still wondering, what is this all about? I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost what this is all about. Hear what I'm saying. This is not Joel Wright saying. I feel the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost. Hear what I'm saying to you this morning. This has nothing to do with changing principle. This has to do with changing method to match moment. Look at it. It's all throughout Mark. Jesus changed methods at times to match the moment. The whole entire New Testament church changed methods to match moments. Now let's get back into our text for a moment. Mark chapter 6, Jesus shows up at the synagogue, says astounding things. They're, they're amazed at his wisdom, but their reaction was one of, how can this be? How can this guy be who he says he is? Because I know who he is. It's Mary's son. He's got brothers and sisters. In fact, I went out to the store with the other day with his sister, and I know for sure, for sure that's it can't be. And this scripture illustrates something that we find throughout all of the Bible. This is another principle, again, where we see plays throughout. I'm talking about go all the way back to Genesis, Fast forward all the way to Revelation, in case you don't know, there's 66 books in the Bible. There's 39 in what we call the old. There's there's uh, 27 in what we call the new. 29 and 37, you put those together, you get 66. Starts with Genesis, ends with Revelation. So if I go back to Genesis and I look through 66 books to Revelation, there's some things that are universal. They are There are literally threads that follow all of Scripture. One of those is what we see here in Mark chapter 6, and that is God often wraps the extraordinary in the ordinary. Hear what I'm saying today? God often he wraps or hides or conceals the extraordinary in the ordinary because it's faith that unlocks the extraordinary in the ordinary. Notice what happened here. What did he say at the end? He was astonished at their unbelief. He couldn't work because of their unbelief. He had to go around to other villages because of their unbelief. Because they were too caught up in the ordinary that they missed the extraordinary. That can't be who he says he is. Because I just bought three chairs, four tables, and a bowl and three spoons from him two years ago. I don't think he is who he is because he's just, in fact... Not only was he ordinary, Jesus actually went below the ordinary. He was so trying to be ordinary that he actually went one step below ordinary. I don't even know what that would be. He came as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Everybody didn't know that that baby in, the, in Bethlehem's, uh, in, in the manger in Bethlehem, in that stable, was the son of God. It only was a few shepherds, some wise men that showed up eventually that recognized who he was. Why? Because there's no way God would manifest himself in the flesh and come as a babe. Even though it already had been prophesied in this book. This book had said it would happen. And it happened just like it said it would. But because it looked ordinary, they missed the moment of the extraordinary. Go back and see. 
There's no way this ordinary shepherd boy could take on a giant. He's an ordinary shepherd boy. His own, even, his own brothers thought of him as ordinary. There's no way you, David, could kill this giant. Look, we know what you're doing out there with your sheep. Yeah, you may have that slingshot, but have you not seen this guy? He's the biggest, he's the baddest dude on the planet. Because David looked ordinary. But God concealed the ordinary and the extraordinary. Go back and look. Back in the Old Testament, God spoke to Moses. And God said, I want you to build me a place where people can come and worship. Remember in the Old Testament, God was with us in the new. He's in us. So this is a different. We are now the temples of God. But back then, God placed a tent of meaning or a tabernacle. But go back and study what the tabernacle looked like. I'm not knocking anybody who does this or any church, but it wasn't filled with fancy accoutrements. It wasn't filled with gold and and, and it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't wrapped in some kind of beautiful edifice. It was ugly. In fact, the Bible says it was covered with badger skin. It was ugly. If you walked by there and you saw that, you'd go, hey, and I, if I told you, listen, in that tent over there is the holiest of holies. It's actually where God rests on this earth. You would have looked at that and go, really, that place? I don't think so. Look at it. It's ugly and ordinary, but inside was extraordinary. You see, really what this is showing us, not only is this principle we find in Scripture throughout, but really a principle for you and I today, because we miss so much of God's extraordinary work because it looks too ordinary for us. Imagine what it's like, right? One of, the, one of the, the greatest moments in all of Scripture. A lot of you know this or are familiar with it, but Acts chapter 2. Jesus had, had died, was resurrected, and uh, he, he gathered a group of 500 people on a mountain, and he spoke to them and said, go to Jerusalem and pray until you receive power from on high. He, he literally, literally ascends into heaven and disappears. Now, I got to be honest with you. If I stood here right now and I started to float and my wife watched me go to the sky and disappear and it wasn't special effects and that really happened, that'd be pretty astonishing, wouldn't it? In fact, it would be almost to the fact you got a dead man who's now alive who just ascended to the clouds and disappeared. I pretty much would do whatever he told me to do. But there was a group of 500 that went back to Jerusalem to wait. And just a few days later, there was only 120 left. Why? Where did 380 people go to? What happened to the 380 people? They got too caught up in the ordinary that they didn't stay around for the extraordinary. Because you know what? It's people, right? People do what people do. They're standing around. They're probably going, you know what? Man, we've been here for three days. Nothing's happening. This is kind of silly. Maybe he was wrong. Maybe this, I got stuff to do, man. I've got, I've got bills to pay. I've got kids at home. i got stuff I need to do. I'm going to lose my job. i got to show up back at work. This ordinary stuff is for the birds. Let's go. But later on, 
the 120, Peter, James, John, Mary, the mother, Jesus, all the people that are listed there. I don't think they were sitting around going, okay, you guys, it's about to go down. Y'all get ready, because in just a few moments, it's going to happen. I don't think they were doing that. I don't think that's what was happening. I don't think they even recognized the significance of the moment. They were just doing what they were told to do. They were living in the ordinary, but God was about to bring in the extraordinary. Don't dismiss the fact that you got to live some days in the ordinary, that you turn your faith off and miss the moment of God working in the extraordinary. I get it. Look around you. You're sitting in your living room. You're sitting somewhere watching today. Again, Antioch West, 16 months in a row, another virtual Sunday. Man, this is getting boring. Man, this is getting old. Man, this is getting tiring. Man, this is just ordinary. I want some excitement. I want some music. I want some dancing. I want some jumping. It's just too ordinary for me. <laughs> Watch out, because you're going to get tired of looking in the ordinary that you're gonna turn your faith off and miss out on the extraordinary. Cause I'm telling you right now, here's what I'm saying. The extraordinary is coming our way, baby. I know what I know, what I know, what I know, what I know. The extraordinary is coming. But sometimes in the extraordinary, you've gotta wait in the ordinary. Sometimes before the extraordinary appears, it feels like nothing's happening and it just feels ordinary. Think about it. 18 years he had been an ordinary carpenter. 18 years he had just been Jesus, the son of Mary, the son of Joseph. He was just ordinary. And one day he shows up and gives them the extraordinary, but they missed it because they were too busy living in the ordinary. You know what? We expect, we expect that Jesus, much like some of them in the Word of God expected, that when he showed up, he would show up with an army. They used to say it. When Messiah comes, he'll set us free. When Messiah comes, he'll establish a kingdom. When Messiah comes, it's going to be amazing when Messiah comes. But Messiah came, and it was too ordinary for them because it wasn't with a horse and a sword and a shield. It was with a bowl and a cup and a spoon. It was too ordinary, and they missed the extraordinary. Even on the cross, it looked ordinary. Just another crucifixion, just another rebel taken down by the might of the Roman Empire, just another crazy man taken out, just ordinary. In fact, I think in some ways the disciples were a little surprised by the extraordinary because they had gotten used to the ordinary. You see, in my life, God's not always going to come and announce that something great is about to happen. I got to be frank with you. I don't think God is going to open up the heavens right now and say, hey, Joel, guess what? It's about to go down. Get ready. And I'm like, yeah. This is going down. A lot of days it feels like Monday. Another Monday. It's a Tuesday. Oh, it's just a Wednesday. It's not a big deal. But in the ordinary, God 
says, watch out, because I'm about to do the extraordinary. Can I tell you what Mark 6 is telling me and you today? And hopefully you're hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying. Some of you are dismissing and turning your faith off because you've been living day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year in the ordinary, that you're about to turn your faith off. And right when God reveals the extraordinary right in front of your eyes, standing right there doing miracles, you're going to go, uh, I don't know if that's God because the ordinary makes us numb to the extraordinary. I don't think when God begins to do the stuff that's promised in this book that a lot of you have believed for, I believe for, I don't think when God starts to do what's promised in this book, it's going to come with flashing lights, booming voices. Okay, I'm ready to pour out my spirit. I don't know if it's going to be that way. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't think God's going to finally say, okay, everybody, I'm about to come in six months, so it's about to go down. Get ready. It's going to sound pretty ordinary, but when we look at it on the other side, we're going to recognize how extraordinary that is. When we look at back at Mark chapter 6, we go, wow, what, a, what, a, what would have it been like that day to be in the synagogue with Jesus talking? Oh, I would give anything to be there. How would they miss that? Because they were too busy, caught living in the ordinary that they missed the power of the extraordinary. What is the Holy Ghost trying to tell us today? The Holy Ghost is trying to tell us, number one, look at the principle. Don't judge where we are because you think the methods change. The method matches the moment, but ultimately look at the principle. The principle never changes. But the greater thing that we find here is that Mark 6 is telling us that sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, God lives in the ordinary and then reveals in the ordinary something extraordinary. Because watch what happened. It was a test. God's always testing. He's always teaching you in your life. No matter what, God never wastes waste any situation because he's always teaching and training you. Because watch what happens, right? These disciples sit and watch this. They see this take place. They know who Jesus was. They're following him. They're walking out. They left nets and boats and lives and jobs and followed this man called Jesus. They know what he's about. But they watch these people walk away in disbelief. And they're watching. And they're going, okay, all right, all right. They didn't see it, but we do. Hey, listen, Pete, James, Andrew, Matthew, we got to be careful because we may miss him too, so pay attention. Watch what happens. At the end of chapter 6, we get the great story. Jesus is out in a desolate place. No food, nothing around. 5,000 men, and there are probably more women and children. 5,000 were out there, hungry. And they go, hey, Jesus, can we send these people away because they're hungry? They need some food. They can't stay here. They're going to, they, 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 it's, it's, it's a problem. We've been here all day. They're hungry. They need food. Jesus said, hey, do me a favor. Go out and find me something ordinary. What do you got that's ordinary? Well, let me see. Uh, we got five loaves and two fish. Just an ordinary bag lunch. 
from an ordinary boy in an ordinary situation given to him by his ordinary mom brought here today and it just ordinary jesus said watch i'll take ordinary and the bible says he blessed it and he fed 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, had 12 baskets left over from just a pile of ordinary. Oh, my God. Some of you are dismissing, saying, God, you'll never work in my life because I'm just ordinary. God, you'll never work because I don't have anything extraordinary to offer you. I don't have any extraordinary gifts. I don't have any extraordinary talents. I don't have anything. God says, you're not getting it because I'll take the ordinary and show you the extraordinary. Give me your five loaves and two fishes. It's ordinary to you, but I live, I strive, I thrive, I work in the ordinary. Come on, geese, somebody over there, give me a quack. I should have got at least three quack, hallelujah, amens over there. Them dudes are just looking at me. What's up with that? You see, if those disciples would not have realized it, they would have passed over the five loaves and two fishes because it too was too ordinary. Jesus, we don't have anything out here. We don't have any buffets. We don't have any animals to kill. We, don't, we, we can't feed all these people. Well, we got five loaves and two fishes. Yeah, but that's too ordinary. We, look at the problem. Look how big our situation is. Look how small and ordinary the solution is. God says, no, 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 you're not getting it. I don't care how big the situation is or how ordinary the solution looks. I have the power to work in the extraordinary and I do that through working in the ordinary they brought to him ordinary and Jesus made extraordinary would you today activate your faith in your ordinary Monday on your ordinary job living in your ordinary house in your ordinary neighborhood wearing your ordinary clothes in your ordinary car where you go what there's nothing exciting there's nothing great going on in my life I mean this whole Jesus thing is way overrated because I want angels and I want signs from heaven and I want manna I want all the stuff that's amazing that you turn your faith off and you miss the power of the extraordinary because you feel like it'll never happen because you're living in the ordinary can I challenge you today in the Holy Ghost? Activate your faith, not with anticipation of the extraordinary, but activate your faith living in the ordinary because God is going to work in your ordinary. And if you don't do it, you'll miss out. He's not going to announce himself. He's not going to come with a boom and a yell and a shout and a hey. He's going to come into your ordinary and make something extraordinary. You look at your problem, it's 5,000 unfed men. I'll never be able to overcome this problem. It's too big, and all I've got in my life is some ordinary things, five loaves and two fishes. And he says, yep, you're right. That's what you see, but I don't see ordinary. I see extraordinary. Do you know, according to my wife, she's right here behind me on the camera. We've been all over the world. I'm not a coffee drinker, she is. But her favorite cup of coffee, literally, favorite now. You would not guess it. It doesn't come from some amazing barista. Doesn't come from one of the big fancy chains of Starbucks or all one of those $12 cups of coffee. Literally, her favorite cup of coffee comes from the Dash Inn right down from my house. Just another gas station. They got these coffee machines that only are at this Dash Inn that literally look ordinary. But according to my wife, 
It is the most extraordinary cup of coffee. We literally would get in our car, run down the street, seven, eight minutes, just so she can have a cup of coffee. Cost a buck fifty. It ain't fancy. Comes a little cup. It's a gas station. And we laugh about that often because it, God has reminded us so many times where she's in the car, drink her a little cup of coffee, and we'll laugh because God will remind us, see, just like you would have never imagined, the greatest cup of, co cup of coffee was in that gas station. Don't miss what I'm doing because it's not looking very extraordinary. It looks like it's in a gas station. It's not in a fancy Starbucks. It's not in some fancy restaurant or fancy barista. It's in a gas station with a bunch of candy bars but it's extraordinary. Don't knock the fact that I'm out here in an ordinary setting, on an ordinary Sunday, on an ordinary July Sunday morning. My God is a God who lives and works in the extraordinary, but he wraps it hidden in the ordinary. And every day, it's amazing. We go and get that coffee, and you buy four coffees, you get one free, baby. Woo! Come on now, you can't beat that. Starbucks can't do that. Take a little $5 coffee and go somewhere. We get four cups of coffee, we get any size coffee for free. Come on, somebody. And every time my wife drinks that coffee, it reminds her and me, Joel, Kate, activate your faith. Because you know what? We get caught up in our life in the ordinary. There's been a lot of ordinary days through COVID. There's been a lot of ordinary time through COVID. God, what are you doing? Here we are again, another, I trust me. I get up and go, oh my God, another Sunday. When the Lord told me I could come out and do this today, I was excited because I didn't want to be back in my basement again in my dumb studio again for another ordinary Sunday. But if he tells me to do it next week, don't turn off because last week we liked where you were. This week looks too ordinary. Activate my faith. There's been a lot of ordinary days through COVID. A lot of days, my goodness, it felt like it was rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat every day. But in the middle of the ordinary, God was doing something extraordinary in me, in my wife, and in Antioch West. But if we tune out now, because it looks like it's just continuing to be ordinary, when God starts to work, some of you, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost, hear what I'm saying, you're going to miss it because you're going to still be looking in the ordinary, and we're all going to be living in the extraordinary, baby. Because my God's going to do something amazing. He already told me. He showed it to me. I've seen it. Not with these eyes yet, baby, but he showed me right here. He see, I've seen what God's going to do. It's going to be extraordinary. But I've got to be honest with you, it's going to look more like a Monday morning than a Sunday morning. It's going to look more like this than it's looked like what we're used to. It's going to look really ordinary, but it's going to be extraordinary. And in your life right now, some of you are turning your faith off because your life looks too ordinary for you. But God wants you to activate your faith today, starting now, because he wants to do the extraordinary in the middle of your ordinary. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've spoken what you've told me to speak this morning. I've spoken with the faith and the passion you've given me. And I speak that every word that has been spoken today would have power. It would have fruit. And the seed of your word would be placed in our heart and spirit. In the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of religious tradition. And I speak now in the name of Jesus. You have called us. You have chosen us. And we're going to walk in the, ordinary, in the extraordinary. But God, give us the grace and the faith to live in the ordinary. I speak now in the name of Jesus.
Lord, that your word would not leave us alone, but faith would be in our hearts. I speak that faith would rise up today. Rise up now in Jesus' name. God, you're trying to work in our lives. You're trying to work in us and through us. But you need us to have faith in our ordinary so that you can reveal to us the extraordinary in the name of Jesus. God bless you, man. This has been so much fun. Best, best crowd I've had in 16 months right over there. All the geese. But you know what? This has been amazing. I love all of you. God bless you. It's exciting. God's about to do it. If you heard Thursday night, we're on our way. Antioch West, we're up with Jesus. If you missed Thursday night, you can watch it. We'll get you the, we'll get you the recording. Just reach out to us. We'll, we'll get it to you. But God is working as always. We love you. Be safe. Have a blessed and amazing week. And we will see you again next time right here on Antioch West Virtual. God bless.